Welcome back to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Alana here with Jamie. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. This is coming to you during Easter week, Holy Week. Do you have a name for it? It's a little... uh, I usually call it Holy Week. Holy just, Week, yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I I just, I think for some people that might sound a little too, uh, I don't know, too formal, too fancy. Well, right. um, blessed Holy Week to all of our listeners, if you're listening as this comes out. Um, so this is our midweek mini-sode. And we are praying through, or we're talking through some of the prayers that we find in the New Testament. So for today, in observation of Holy Week, we have a part of Jesus's prayer that he prays um, the night he was betrayed. So let's see. This episode comes out on a Wednesday. The Last Supper took place, I think, Thursday, Thursday. right? So this, this is happening pretty much like after the Last Supper has been eaten and before Jesus has been arrested and it's uh, Jesus's prayers for his disciples and his prayers for us, which I think is really, really cool. So tiny bit longer of a, a section this time. Do you want to maybe read that first paragraph, Jamie, and I'll read the second. Yeah. Just for fun. We're in John 17 for people. Before we start, just for fun question is, have you ever participated in a Passover Seder? I did. Yeah. It was pretty neat. So, um, I think I've done it twice in two different formats. So one of them was basically like we showed up, it was at a friend's church and they had like a plate set out. It wasn't like we all ate. Mm-hmm. And basically um, the the pastor or the presenter kind of explained what each of the different elements were. Mm-hmm. And I forget if we all had little small sample plates, like it definitely wasn't a meal. I forget if we had it or if he was just kind of talking through it. So we did that one once, and then we did one that I thought was really cool. So in the traditional Passover sense, there are certain parts that are very scripted, right? For a Jewish family, there's, um, you know, like the youngest kid asks this question, and then the dad says this thing, or, you know, like, so there is kind of a script to it. And when I was um, a young adult, so Scott and I had just gotten married, the church we were at, they had they had it scripted with basically um, from a Christian perspective, you know, so like some of the questions are, what do these elements mean? Why are we doing it this way? And they would, uh, the answers, they were scripted, but they would incorporate not just, you know, so if you're doing this with the traditional Jewish family, it's more, okay, this reminds us of when we were in Egypt and, and God delivered us out of slavery and, in this kind of with this new script from a Christ-centered focus, it was like, you know, it talks about both. It talks about, so, you know, God saved the the Jews from slavery in Egypt, just as he has saved us from our bondage to sin, that kind of thing. It was, it was neat because unlike you, I didn't grow up in any, with, with much liturgy at all. Mm-hmm. And so I actually very much liked that it was like, it was the same thing year after year. We didn't do it every year, but I liked that element of it. Yeah, mine, the one that I took part in, I think I've only done one, is um, was very much like that second one you described. Okay. Never, never in my life had I so clearly seen the fulfillment of prophecy, the fulfillment Mm -hmm. of the old covenant in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And not just that, you know, because I knew the stories, I knew that they pointed to Jesus, 
but just in every element. And I've always wanted to do it again. I even got to the point where I was trying to organize one for our church in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I think actually my mom passed away, so I wasn't going to be there for it. And so we kind of put the plans on hold, but I really, really highly recommend if anyone has not participated Mm -hmm. in a Passover Seder, such a wonderful experience and, and just a real visual and like tangible reminder of the fact that Jesus didn't happen. He didn't come to earth and live his life in a vacuum. It was in this context, mm-hmm. like against the backdrop of this, the old Testament. Yeah. So cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So let's uh, jump in. So we're in John 17 and what I love about this, it's broken down. So in the first half of this prayer, Jesus is praying for the disciples who are with him, right? It's like Peter, James, John, like he is praying specifically for them. And then it moves into prayers for all of us. Uh, in verse 20, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So this is in a way like the most direct <laughs> that I feel the Bible addresses like you and me today, which I really love. And of course it's all written for us. And as it was being written, God knew that you and I were going to be here in 2023, but I still love that like hours before he was betrayed and arrested and ultimately killed, he's praying for you and me, which I think is really, really cool. I do too. I just, every time I read this passage, I, just feel this sense of, wow, like this touching history, you know, like at that moment, like there are Mm -hmm. times in my life where I'll stop and I'll be like, remember this moment. And I'll like try to sear it in my Mm -hmm. mind, like, Mm -hmm. so that maybe in the future I can sort of touch that moment. I feel like, I feel like we're right there with him. Like that was a moment that he, he actually prayed for us. It's so cool. It is really, really cool. So do you want to read the first part when he's praying for the disciples, like the the first century disciples? Yeah. Uh, This starts with verse 13. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you, you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. So I think this is where we get the phrase like in the world, but not of it. That's not technically like a Bible verse, that exact phrase, but it's definitely spoken about here. Jesus is saying, I'm not taking them out of the world but I don't want them to be of the world. Yeah, this is a prayer. This, this verse, actually, I think it was from one of the other gospels, but very similar. Um, Mm -hmm. The same timing and prayer is when I I remember I was having questions about whether our oldest should go back to public school or stay homeschooled. And Mm -hmm. it was one of the biggest questions of our parenting was this Mm -hmm. for this this transition and whether or not we should do it and we were really conflicted and I just prayed that God would help me to find a verse or something in scripture to like Mm -hmm. help direct and guide me and I I was at the time I was feeling hesitant because I 
I did kind of feel like he had been kind of protected in a cocoon mm-hmm. during the, not that he hadn't been in public school before, but, right. um, but when I, I was reading this passage and it just really mm-hmm. stood out mm-hmm. to me, this, you know, Jesus with his own disciples, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that yeah. you protect them from the evil one. And I just felt God really speaking to me. I can do that. Yeah. He, he can be in this situation where he's not under yeah. your immediate protection and, mm-hmm. and he can be right where I want him and I can, I can use him there and I can protect him there and I can do everything that needs to be done in his life there. And that was that mm-hmm. moment that, yeah, that I, I really, that was when the decision was made. And- Absolutely. You know, I, I love homeschooling, but I think it would be terrible to say, because my family loves homeschooling, we believe that every single Christian family must homeschool. First of all, that's not available to everybody. Second of all, it might not be the best in terms of just education for everybody, right? I mean, there's tons of resources. Um, but lastly, like imagine if every single Christian family pulled out of the public schools, what's what's left to be the salt and the light? You know, my my dad became a Christian in high school from the testimony of one of his friends. Wow. If if we were to go on and say no Christian should ever have their kid in public school, well, then I might not be a Christian today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, this is just, uh, this picture of his love for the disciples really, mm-hmm. I just, I love it. It just, it, it's not that, cause sometimes you read stuff that they did and you just think, oh my gosh, these bumbling fools, you know, <laughs> and not that we don't make the same kinds of mistakes, mm-hmm. but you know, they make, they made a lot of mistakes. They did a lot of things and you have to wonder, well, did Jesus like just get so fed up with them here? He is being, he's perfect. He's absolutely perfect. And he's got these guys, you know, doing, doing things, but this just to me gives us a window into his love, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just his love and concern for them. And I also go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to move on to another another part that kind of um, got my attention that I hadn't focused on before, which where he says, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And I don't know, again, that's another like. I would definitely not have gone that far. I would have right. been like, well, yeah, Jesus is definitely not of this world. Mm-hmm. We are of this world, but not as mm-hmm. much as he's not of this world. But he's saying they are, you know, now that they're mine, now that you guys are mm-hmm. my people, mm-hmm. you are not part of this world any more than I am. Yeah. And is a different perspective that I hadn't gotten before in reading. Yeah, it. you know, it's it's that brand new identity. It's almost like, you know, maybe the the kid who's rescued out of a super abusive home and then ultimately adopted by someone else. You know, it's, you are as much part of my family as if I myself had born you, you know, it's, it's that kind of, kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, you're right on a just technical level. This isn't true (laughs) on a technical level. Jesus came from heaven. All the disciples came from ultimately from Adam, you know, but that sense of, but now you are in my fold and, you know, kind of like the adoptive family model, you know, everything that would belong to one of my biological children is yours as well. Right. And I think we can resist that. I think we can 
continually. And I think I still do where I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm not that worthy. I mean, I'm, I'm your daughter and all, but there's just still a part of us sometimes I think that holds back from embracing that deep truth that we are absolutely reborn. Like there's nothing of the flesh that can prevent us from being identified as, as daughters of the Mm -hmm. King. And I just think that's, um, yeah, it's kind of profound. It is, you know, and again, I think that I'm, I'm picturing Annie and daddy Warbucks, you know, like she is completely his, she has all the rights of, cause I think he does adopt her officially, right? She becomes his actual daughter. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure he does. Yeah. But there's also a sense of, it doesn't change the fact that she grew up in an orphanage. It doesn't change the fact that she has memories of a, a hard knock life. It doesn't change the fact <laughs> that, you know, even she, she might have some of these, you know, kind of behavioral issues or trauma related issues going back to that. So it's one of those just kind of juxtapositions. I had a friend who loved the phrase, uh, what was it already, but not yet, I think is, is how she put it. We're already sanctified. We are already 100% righteous in God's sight, but we're not yet fully sanctified, right? So it's kind of this sense of Annie is Daddy Warbuck's child completely, and yet she still has a life of baggage that she brought in from from having a really hard life in an orphanage. You know, it's that, that kind of thing. We are completely God's children, completely saved from sin, and yet we have a sinful nature still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just that juxtaposition and it, it can be hard, you know, to, to sit with. Well, going back to what you were talking about when Jesus says, you know, my prayer isn't that you take them out of the world. I think we can add such a layer of this because Jesus knows what's going to happen to them. You know yeah. what I mean? He knows how they're going to be scared and distraught and pursued and persecuted. So it had such a layer. So I picture you praying about your son, but imagine if it wasn't just, okay, I could keep him here in homeschool where it feels safer, or I could send him to public school where it's a little more unknown. Imagine if you knew, right? Imagine if you knew that something really, really terrible would happen to him. But yet God was still saying, you know, like we have a kid who every so often talks about wanting to join the military. And that's kind of where my mind goes. It's like, I cannot imagine watching, like saying goodbye to my child, knowing that there is a really good chance something horrible could happen to them. Similarly, like Jesus didn't just know there was a chance something bad would happen to his disciples. He knew how hard it was going to be for them. And I, I just, I picture where, where his heart must have been as he prayed this, right? Like we picture Jesus's hardest prayer to be in Gethsemane, like the, not my will, but your will. If I don't have to go through the suffering, help me not have to go through this suffering. But there's also this sense of, he knows what's going to happen to his disciples. He knows he can't just snatch them all up and take them to heaven with him and keep them safe there. I, I just, as a mom, I can't imagine the kind of prayer you would have to pray if you knew a hundred percent something terrible is going to happen to my child. I can't stop it. Even if I could, because Jesus could, I, I know that ultimately they must go through this horrific thing. I just can't imagine the, the prayers that go into that. 
Yeah. And, you know, just the idea that he still prayed, protect them from the evil one. And that prayer was answered. They were protected. They weren't protected mm-hmm. from the consequences of their faith right, and for being right. held accountable for that by the world. Mm-hmm. And from going through, was it all but one died a martyr's death? Is that, mm-hmm. isn't that correct? Yeah. Um, at least according to church history and tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it. but it's that like, okay, just because God answers this prayer of protecting them from the evil one that doesn't necessarily mean that as believers we are going to be protected from difficult mm-hmm. things happening yeah and, and persecution and hardship yeah. and difficulties because yeah. i think sometimes we think okay if i pray so like in your case hypothetically you prayed you felt god prompting you for your son to go back to the public school let's say something bad did happen Right. I think it would be very easy for you to say, well, well, that shouldn't have happened because we prayed. But again, Jesus is praying for the disciples, knowing something bad is about to happen to them. And so I think that that can clear some confusion because there can be confusion. I prayed really hard and something bad still happened. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I must have done something wrong when when sometimes no. And I think a better way to look at it is what would have happened if you hadn't prayed, right? What if Jesus hadn't prayed for his disciples at all? Um, they would have been so scattered and even more scared. And and how many of them would have had the courage to face their martyrdoms like they did and you know, and all of this stuff. So it's just it's a different way to look at it when we pray for someone's protection and something bad still happens to them. Sometimes we don't know what to do with that, but you know, here's a very clear case of Jesus was praying for the disciples and yet bad things still happens to them. Yeah. If anyone's prayer is going to be answered, it'll be Jesus. <laughs> and... We can say with confidence. that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so I want to go into the next part now where he kind of, he doesn't quite turn around, but he adds on to this prayer and he prays for you and me and for everyone listening. So I'll read that part. Starting So we're in John 17, starting at 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Yeah, this is just a really, really cool picture of Jesus praying just for us, exactly for Mm -hmm. the people that are going to believe and then the people that will believe as a result of them and Mm -hmm. on and on until Until you get to us listening today. Yeah. Well, yeah, today and And beyond. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But what strikes me in this is just this recurring theme of unity that all of them like if if there's anything that he can pray for you know he's praying for all of them that all of them may be one father just as you are in me and i am in you and may them may they also be in us so this it's unity is this overarching theme he could have prayed strength he could have prayed that you know he there there are things where you know that talk talks about that we would display love and he could have prayed any number of things, Mm -hmm. but this whole passage is like summed up in unity of the body of Christ. 
And that's hard. It's so hard. And I feel like as Mm -hmm. we, you know, it's always, it, it has actually become, uh, I don't know. There, there's just, there's always been, there've always been divisions, even in looking at the early church in the book of acts and in the, Mm -hmm. um, letters uh, to the different churches there there's from the beginning of the church and up to now there there's always going to be, there will always be the things that cause us to be divided, but Jesus again and again, like is just let them be unified, let them be one. Mm -hmm. And he wants us to be that way so that the world may believe that you have sent me, you know, let them be Mm -hmm. unified and in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I think we don't always, I know I don't always see that, that so much is at stake, that unity Mm -hmm. in each other and unity under the Godhead is for the purpose of bearing witness to the truth so that it's, it's a form of evangelism to be unified. Yep, it is. And that's, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a humbling thought. And it just is, I think so many times we think in individual terms, especially in the Western church, Yeah, mm-hmm. we need to be thinking in global terms in body of Christ with a capital B and C terms. Yeah. No, I think it is so telling just in terms of, you know, kind of the priorities, you know, he's not praying. There are so many things he's not praying about. He's not praying father, help them to live upright, moral lives. Is that important? Yeah. But that's, that's not what is forefront in his mind at the moment. And so I think a huge takeaway is to be regularly praying for the unity of your church body and, you know, the kind of the Christian community as a whole, because there are so many things that divide us. And yeah, I'd say that's probably a good place to end is just keep on praying for that unity, because it is a picture of Jesus is the father, right? Like he talks about that, um, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, like when we display unity as believers, that's, that's showing to the world, the, the entire unity, Jesus is God, God is Jesus. We are with him. We are united together. And so of course that's an area where the enemy would want to attack our unity. Right. And not only that, but not just praying for unity in general, but also because the temptation is to pray for them, those people that are, you know, causing trouble mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. so often it, it just, it's in us as well. What am I doing Lord mm. to contribute to this lack of unity? And I mean, I know that's something I have absolutely been convicted of. And even mm-hmm. if you're not outwardly causing division, What's in your heart as you think about the church or of the body of Christ or the people around you or the people you hear on social media? Like what is in your heart? Are you judging or are Mm -hmm. you loving? And again, it's a whole other episode on standing on the truth and not letting the truth be corrupted, not just accepting everything just for Mm -hmm. the sake of keeping the peace. But, um, but, but absolutely there, we all have stuff to work on. So I think confession and Mm -hmm. repentance on like what our part might be in our attitudes and our, 
actions. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think a good kind of takeaway or even like homework assignment is ask yourself, what's the, what's like, what group of people is the biggest threat to, to my church today? Right. And, and the answers are going to be completely varied, but start there and then get to the point where you can pray for that group of people with love and compassion and humility. And if we, if we all could do that, if we could identify, um, kind of what's threatening, what you see, what's, what's a group of people that's a threat to your body of believers, but then you can pray for them with love and humility. I think that's a huge step towards this, this sense of being united. And you're right. I mean, we, we do need to always remember like, yeah, there's, there is a time to take a stand for truth. Right. And, and that's important too. And it takes discernment. And I would go so far as to say where people are going to fall on that line is going to vary. Right. So I don't think that, okay, if my line is here, I, I am not going to, um, I am not going to associate with coffee stealers, right? Just going back to our uh, our very easy our hypothetical, the big sin. Okay, that might be where you where you draw the line. I think that that's where your line should be, but I don't think that you need to tell every single believer in the world that that's where their line is. So there needs to also be some. Yes, there's black, and yes, there's white. But there is some in between on certain issues and you do not need to, to be the gray police. And I don't know, it's, it's really hard though, because some people err way too far on keeping the peace and some people err way too far to the point where like, yeah, if you don't, um, I don't know if you sing a song by this one person who has one theological difference than I do, then you must be a heretic, right? right? Or like read a different version of the Bible yeah. or I mean, whatever we can it to be. see the extremes and yeah. recognize them, but that it, it gets murky. And so I would just say, let's see if we can pray with a little bit more grace and a little more understanding. So like for me, I, I really get upset by the extremists who are like, okay, you must read this version of the Bible, or I, I can't even have fellowship with you. To me, that question of like, what's the biggest threat to the church? Like sometimes I would, that, that might be one of the answers that would appear in my top 10 list. Right. So then what I need to do then, I need to start praying for people with that mindset and, and not do the, dear God, thank you that I'm not like these people over there. I need to be praying. Thank you, God, that there are people who are so um, passionate about preserving your truth. Thank you that, you know, and no, I'm never going to, I don't see myself ever stepping foot in that camp, but I want to extend love to people who are in that camp. And I can practice doing that by praying for them, (laughs) not against them, right? Because I think we're all pretty familiar with praying against somebody, right? let's pray against this church over here because we don't like the way they sing or something like to a lot of people that feels natural. Okay. What, what can you do if you were to switch that? What if you wanted to pray for them? And again, not be, thank you, God, that I am not like these Christians over there, but um, what can you pray 
for them with compassion and love in your heart for the body. It's hard. And, and we're all going to err. We're all going to err on either being um, too accepting of things that we shouldn't accept, or we're going to err on being too extreme about things we don't need to be extreme about. But can we, can we become a little more gracious to those around us? And that's at least a start in the right direction. Well, and even take our lines to God and say, help me, help me with these, help me to have wisdom and discernment and mm-hmm. hold your lines up to God and say, mm-hmm. what are my majors? What, what is yeah. majoring on the main majors in terms of scripture and be willing to be teachable, be willing to mm-hmm. ratchet down on things that maybe you've been too loose on, or maybe to let go of things that maybe you've been too too hard Mm -hmm. on. And, but to remember in general that Jesus said, if you prophesy in my name, if you do miracles, if you cast out demons and you don't have love, Mm -hmm. then what's the point? You're like a, you're like a clanging symbol. So just keep that in mind that, that loving others, whether you agree or disagree with them Mm -hmm. is always right. And as far as, as accepting and doctrine and all of those things, we need to definitely be mindful of those things and prayerful about those things. Absolutely. So for people who need to hear it today, there are, um, there are Christians who feel like they don't fit in maybe Mm -hmm. because of their political beliefs or, or theological beliefs or things like that. Um, Jamie and I just want to tell you, like, we, we love you. We are so glad that you're here. Um, and we will, yeah, we'll step up to bat for you because this is a community of like, what could be controversial about, Hey, let's encourage women to pray. Right. (laughs) And so I think there probably is a wide range in our listenership and we, I, maybe I shouldn't speak for you, Jamie, but I will, because I know you, we love that there is a range of women here. We love that there's a range of political opinions and life, uh, experiences and we love that you you might disagree with 10 to 20% of the things that Jamie and I say, but you're still here and we love that too. And, and so you're extending grace to us when we differ on opinions and, and we're extending, I mean, we don't even need to extend grace to you because we're just glad you're here. <laughs> so, and, and I would hope that, that other women listening can kind of adopt that same mentality. How cool is it that we have um, these thousands of women listening who do come from such different backgrounds? And yeah, maybe we would be super uncomfortable if I were to go to your church or you were to come to mine, and yet we love each other. And it's not because we're here because we want to change your mind and twist your arm to look more like us. We just, we're here because we love to pray and we love that you're here because you love to pray and you are, you're welcome and you're seen and yeah, it's probably like the most radical thing we've ever said on the show, which is a shame, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. it's a shame that that, 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 that that's attitude radical. can be seen by some as yeah. radical. So, yeah. all righty. Well, we do wish you, if you are listening, when this episode comes out, we wish you a, a very meaningful and beautiful Holy Week. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're listening again, we are glad you're here and we love you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. 
Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.